Hello everybody! Welcome to this edition of the Omnichannel X Omnichannel Podcast. I am Nazarbina, Program Director for the Omnichannel X Conference. I'm here today with Mark Grennan, Senior Analyst from Forrester Research and author of various Omnichannel and content management related white papers, blog posts, and more. I'm very excited to have him on the podcast. For those of you who don't know, we do these to support our community and our annual conference, which you can find out more about on omnichannelx.digital. So without further ado, Mark, do you want to say hi to our listeners and viewers and let them know a little something about yourself? Sure. Thanks, Naz. And uh, nice to, to meet you all. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm just getting to know uh, Naz and the team and the broader Omnichannel X mandate, but I've been around the space for a while now. So I've been with Forrester for pushing a decade and I've been covering CMS and digital experience technologies and the strategies that sit around them. So uh, very recently, about the last 18 months, we've been pivoting our CMS coverage and pretty excited to get a chance to talk to you a bit more about that today. Okay, great. Um, yeah, so as, uh, as an analyst, what your kind of what are your um, day-to-day activities include in this space tell us a little bit about kind of what sure. you do so day in the life uh yeah. i think you, you could kind of break it down by the activities that we do internally um and probably 60 percent is research so it's a research interview it's working on a draft it's creating a graphic it's prepping for an upcoming delivery um so that's the research side uh, then there's the advisory and consulting side. So okay. that would be more of a one-to-one scenario where we help uh, clients in, in either a workshop or getting ready for a speech, something along those lines. And then I'd say 10% of my time, maybe flexing up to 20 is uh, calls. So actually it's a form of advisory. We do these one-to-one 30-minute calls around inquiry. So clients call up and we try to help them in the context of that call either get an answer to a strategy question or a technology selection question or something in between. Right. Great. Cool. Yeah. Forrester is obviously a very well-known organization, um, which it's going to be a lot of followers uh, who are listening to this and a lot of people who know your reports. I know you've done uh, two on Omnichannel because I was, I was involved in them um, as an interviewee. Uh, what are you working on these days? What's your, you were saying, you mentioned a pivot. So what are, what's your focus these days? Right, so the, I'll set a little bit of, of um, setting the stage, if you will. So about uh, seven years ago, Forrester embraced uh, this need for omnichannel, but it, through an architectural lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, we called it the pivot to digital experience. And uh, the reason was, because back in the day around 2010, um, our e-commerce and the web CMS were fighting for control of the website, which was one of the primary touch points you had. Uh, and you had the, the shop dot and the www dot over here, and they didn't talk, and the brand experience was really bad. So we were trying to solve for that. Well, in the last six, seven, eight years, we've accelerated that challenge many fold. Um, a lot of different things are coming in and vying for control, not just of the templating, but also of the data model, of the transaction, of the navigation, of the look and feel, of you, you, you name it, right? So uh, we embrace this notion around digital experience that sat across that uh, mandate. And that's the macro picture. Content then, we have to rethink how content, specifically for me, the CMS, fits into that new world because it was a vertically oriented stack. 
It was develop the web experience and then publish content out to the end user. And it was a, that two-stage model that was very vertically oriented doesn't work very well in a DX landscape. So we had to kind of go back and rethink what should it be? And so talking to folks like you, talking to my colleagues like Ryan Skinner, who I think is a friend of, of the podcast and of, of the broader community. Uh, who uh, actually just FYI, Ryan has been confirmed for 2020. So Ryan will be back with right. us. Good, good, good. Um, and some other colleagues, many other colleagues at Forrester looking at what should uh, next generation content technologies and strategies be. And I've put my stamp on it, a label. I call it Agile CMS. Mm -hmm. uh, I know some folks have cringed at yet another label in this landscape, <laughs> but um, happy to walk you through why we chose that. But I think the more interesting thing is what is it mm -hmm. um, rather than just the words. So I've been pretty excited about trying to flesh out what it is in the mm -hmm. last year, year and a half, and uh, have some new reports coming out soon as, as we think will be pretty strong in terms of characterizing what this is and what it will be in the next probably one to five years-ish. Okay. I'm, I'm asking all of our, our guests these days, and so I want to ask you before we kind of launch into it, um, what is, uh, as there is much debate on this, and there's, and there's um, some difficulties, or let's say difficulties, there's some debate or some maybe some confusion around whether this is an e-commerce thing or, a, you know, a marketing thing. What is, what is omni-channel for you? What is your definition? Oh, that's, that's a big one. Um, I would say e-commerce, that world has had a stronger need to uh, define and embrace this uh, than maybe some others mm -hmm. because they have to be where the customer is, right? So rather than just saying, I am only going to sell to you on my web shop or my dot com, uh, that that meant that model doesn't really work because if it was the old brick and mortar or now it's the dot com, it's still a very singular way to view the customer of you you um, asking them to come to you. Mm -hmm. So instead, they're on social, they're on mobile apps, they're using Amazon.com, they're using Etsy, they're you're using everything. And so commerce providers, their goal is the conversion, the sale, right? Mm -hmm. and, and to attract that that uh, buyer. So you have to be where they are. So they really need the, the ability to do that. Um, so that's part of Omnichannel is where you are in digital mm -hmm. presences, but also the ability to fulfill from anywhere. So mm. you bought it in store, but I can ship it from another store. So there's this back-end fulfillment piece of Omnichannel as well. So e-commerce really has experienced that. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd argue that it's definitely gone way beyond e-commerce. And there's other niche scenarios that are even um, experiencing it, I think, in ways that they're even, you know, testing that model. Uh, so you can think about media or travel or um, other types of entertainment. They really have lost control of things going through their channel. And now they need to be on, on uh, smart TVs and infotainment displays in a car and everything in between. Uh, yeah. You're actually making me think of uh, other scenarios. Um, we've, this year we've got Google uh, Lee Boonstra, who is a technology advocate for conversational interfaces and AI. So basically chatbots. Perfect. Um, Perfect. And her specialism area is actually the service bit. So not necessarily pre-sale service, but could be as well. Any kind of service uh, where you are serving current customers, future customers, etc. Um, and again, it's, it's how do we make sure that those channels 
in every stage of the content lifecycle are tied in. So I think that there's, it keeps growing, you know, the scope of, uh, of omnichannel. And what we're hoping is that we're going to get that wider definition of your whole customer relationship out um, as, uh, and that's the kind of one of our goals at the conference and speaking to people like yourself is to, to widen that definition as much as possible and keep, be part, keep being part of that um, increasing of scope so that people say it is as broad as you need it to be for your business purposes. Right. So then it takes me back to um, more requirement for agility and your concept of an agile CMS. So can you tell me a little bit more about what, uh, what tell, tell us about agile yeah. CMSs? What's that okay. and, and where are you going yeah. with that? Happy to. So uh, that notion of omnichannel is, is, in my opinion, kind of picking your eyes up and looking to the horizon, right? And so that mm -hmm. brings in aspects of channels you haven't embraced yet, channels that aren't even here yet, uh, but it's a customer-centric view of the world, kind of looking back at yourself. You bring yourself into the foreground and, okay, what are, what are the, the tools and the processes and the channels that I control right in the here and now? Um, and how do I maximize leverage from those efforts? Then you start to get to this reason, okay, I need to rethink this DX mandate in the context of something smaller. So it's kind of like a fractal, you're zooming in. And for content, we've been, as I mentioned, web CMS or e-commerce was very, very, very channel centric. And not that those channels aren't valuable, they just now exist as one of a dozen perhaps. And so your same team that's creating content now needs to be relevant not on one channel, but a dozen. Now we have to rethink how to reuse those assets. So we blow up the whole page and site-based mentality and embrace the asset uh, or the content object. And that pivot alone is like, complete and utter chaos for some organizations who have aligned specific teams against channels. That's huge. The technologies are aligned against channels. So that's huge. And even the underlying taxonomy, how you think and define content. Nas, you've, you've been a champion of this, uh, uh, focusing more granularly at the content taxonomy or content model level. So if that's true and we believe it is, uh, what's the organizing principle for work? or for a project. If it's no longer the site or the page or whatever, you could think of it as a campaign perhaps, or just some sort of project that's gonna to bring together assets that you're gonna maybe create and then um, deliver to half a dozen channels. But maybe those half a dozen channels need three dozen different variants of the same piece of technology, or same piece of content, sorry. And some of those channels you have more control of, some you don't. So you get back to this notion of organizing this fragmented work around maybe a calendar. That's one idea. And I think that, that idea of, of um, transparent collaboration and planning is part of Agile CMS because it allows you better visibility, the channels and kind of the tasks you have to execute against. But it also allows you to iterate faster because if you can now think about the, the delivery, but then also the analytics coming back in so that virtuous cycle we can now say, well, hey, that variant worked actually better with that segment uh, for, this, for that last campaign. Think about redefining the segment or redefining the types of assets you're creating for that, that product grouping. So there's, there's a really big impact there um, around the, how you work together and how the, the content will loop back, but also think about all the content you already have. So mm -hmm. that's the other piece. I think I, I call it kind of content hub. So think of what content do we already have? Let's, let's 
investigate that typically through search or some other kind of reporting. Then it's the, the content uh, collaboration and planning. So what don't we have and how are we gonna assign tasks? And then the third one is content services. So it's authoring, management, delivery, um, some of the analytics all as an API, as a service. And then you can deliver that out to any channel. And chances are the web team and the e-commerce team is still gonna need some sort of stack to develop that experience. So there's like an agile development channel management piece that uh, we're gonna carry over from the web CMS world. And it'll also be very, very critical to some, some folks. So that's the, the four pieces and uh, loosely describe the virtuous cycle around collaboratively creating, delivering, and then hopefully optimizing your content processes. So it sounds, uh, it sounds from, from familiar to me because you know, this is my world, um, but it reminds me specifically of an of a, of a interview I did with, um, with uh, Chris Saunders of uh, what's now A, was simple A, um, who I think was also interviewed for some Forrester reports. We talked about the content experience management system, or sorry, um, yeah. Well, basically the mushing together between uh, the real-time data of customer experience and uh, content metrics. So bringing, being able to see in your content management system exactly what was happening in your experience so you were able to bring back that data. And what I'm hearing is actually like a, a whole ton of tools on this extraordinarily flooded marketing landscape all kind of getting eaten up into this, under this one umbrella. So you're talking about uh, tools like, um, like Trello or Jira for in the planning side, scheduling side. You're talking about things like Hootsuite and Sendable on the you know the social distribution side, for for example, I'm just throwing out some of the tools that would be um, here. Then you've got the web content management. You've got your digital asset management because you're you're talking about managing the asset, all all with a kind of a hub an a hub and spoke API model. Um, yeah. Sorry for the more technical people there. I'm throwing out some acronyms, but basically we want to have this central central functions in this new management system, and we're able to attach them by integration to yes. various endpoints. You even mentioned authoring as being something you could integrate in. So 100%. my question is, do you see this as, as like, a, like a monster suite from single vendors? Like, cause I, I remember kind of the documentum years and the SharePoint years where it was like the one system to roll them all. Uh, and a lot of those projects, those, those software, platforms became such massive behemoths that it became very difficult to make them do much. And so how, how do we avoid that happening again? Well, it's, it's a good question. Um, I my personal opinion is that a simple approach will be the foundation and then you'll, you'll embrace complexity at the edges, but the core doesn't need to be complex. Okay. So the core is the ability to search across existing content repositories, mm -hmm. right? Having a common content ID for all assets. Those, and then mapping that, you know, as needed to things like taxonomy. Uh, the collaboration and planning, that can be a very stripped down mm -hmm. exercise, right? I mean, there's, as you mentioned, Trello, Jira, uh, Asana, Workfront, uh, you name it, right? Um, and even if you don't have one of those, 
chances are the new CMS tools that are coming out have a calendar baked mm-hmm. in. And whether you've got that from your old CMP or content marketing platform or whether it's coming from a new solution, making that the center of your world and having like a dashboard view will be fairly simple. It doesn't need to be everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the content services. If you've seen a good rich text editor, it's very sparse and it should be. Um, because you shouldn't be doing all the formatting and every, all the details inside that experience. And then again, a well-defined API set to deliver content out is actually remarkably simple. It's elegant in its, its simplicity. And not to say once you plug that into an actual enterprise scenario, it could get big. Um, my hope is that you don't, don't uh, try and cram all the business logic into the content. And in fact, it should live probably externally. Um, so at, at the foundation, it's simple. And then uh, we're also going to use pretty strong ability to integrate and connect into other areas. So you mentioned social, right? Mm-hmm. My real-time analytics feed coming back from a social channel is somewhat limited. Um, so there might be only really heavy need for uh, channel targeting, channel analytics from the channels I actually own, the web, web shop, um, some other areas of mobile but third-party channels may not have that same level of real-timeness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the the other big thing that came to mind is the 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 reckoning that the you know the the judgment day that you're kind of describing between the titans in content management of today and digital asset management. Well, I don't see those as actually. Uh, overly conflicted, honestly. Okay. Um, I, I think there's been some acquisitions in the space. I think there's been a healthy number of partnerships in the space. And I, my humble opinion is that not everyone's going to need a full-on dedicated enterprise dam digital asset management solution. Mm-hmm. They just don't have terabytes or petabytes of rich media. Um, they might have 10,000 images, full stop. And they may have very limited uh, governance and digital rights management. So Mm -hmm. why are you investing half a million dollars in a solution that can scale to media company levels if if that's all you've got? So my hope is that an agile CMS approach with with this very API-centric architecture on the back end and a very scalable database for binary content store, rich media, that you may not need the dam. It can be the poor man's digital asset management solution inside that. And if there was an external one that already existed inside the business, well, then you could just treat that as yet another repository for that content hub model to search and index. Okay. So it's the, it's the CMS bit, the content management bit, which loses the mm, tight coupling to the, to the, to the website becomes more content focused and on the on the asset management side it's adding in just enough asset management so that you can get your job done i think so okay. i think so i think i cuz i think a lot of our listeners are going to be going so am i talking about adding content features to my dam or am i talking about adding dam features to my etc like try, how do we slot this discussion into the world that people already know? I think that's, that's the reason that I'm asking questions along this area is because there is a, is a very large and overlapping uh, stack of technologies already. Like we, I'm seeing this in projects all the time where 
for example, where do you manage taxonomy? Where do we, where does ta what does tagging live and where does that, you know, where does that live? Is that in a, cha a content management system, which as you said, often right now are aligned with channels or is it in a central hub or is it in the dam sometimes and then that's farmed out as a sub feature of the digital asset management. So um, people are getting by as they are, but they, uh, you're, what you're saying is that there, there has to be a, a, a new cleaning up of all this and that agile CMS is the new, is the new platform for moving forward. Yeah, that's, that's our label. Um, I, I'd be thrilled if it caught on. Um, not too, too worried about the label itself, just more the okay. principle. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's that really dynamic content model, uh, content graph, if you will, that lives mm -hmm. kind of at the heart of all of that. And then you can build whatever system you want on top of it, including in the processes to, to support it. So I've been hearing that more and more from folks who are in a variety of industries. So spoke to one, um, they're in a pharma uh, scenario, and they said, well, we had siloed technologies and the idea of rationalizing our 35 different CMSs down to one didn't really have an ROI. But what we did look at is increasing the um, uh, influence on the digital channels that we already have through more content and tying that back to a sales activity and all of a sudden, we took what was a $0 influence on a channel to more than a billion dollars in pipeline influence within 18 months. Okay, so, so wait a minute. So who's talking to who here? You, you start, it's a pharma company. Yep. Um, who's got, they created a digital excellence group. Okay. Um, they, they looked at opportunities to rationalize technology, and they said, well, not really sure that's our primary value add. Okay. Um, we'll do that slowly, steadily over time. Mm -hmm. But instead, we're going to create this new thing that sits at the heart of, of as many things that we can plug into it. And we're going to start to really track the efficacy of the content. Okay. So through so, better analytics, through better process management, through better APIs, I can now track the influence of my content. I can take that win, and then I can start to use that money to rationalize old systems and invest in new ones. But it wasn't a come in, you know, wipe the slate clean all in day one uh, or in year one even. And then they really established the influence of content in a, a digital sales channel. Okay. okay, so that's really, okay. This is very, very, very interesting. I, this is coming up a lot in a lot of clients. They're like, well, I'm, we're tired of having six, seven, eight, or, or in this case, 35 websites <laughs> slash web CMSs or instances. Could be, you know, could be multiple vendors. Could be less vendors than, webs, than instances because you could have two, two whole divisions running Sitecore, for example. Uh, these guys have got Adobe Experience Manager. Some guy's got some Joomla site running out somewhere. You know, um, they're popping up like mushrooms. So what you're saying, rather than go down the common path, which, uh, which I'm very often hearing, which is we got to trash this and choose one big mega vendor and put all the sites onto that, they created a, a centralized uh, hub for understanding the impact of content. And then over time, use that intelligence to make better strategic decisions about when it was worth actually consolidating yeah. systems and so on. Okay, good, good. That's that's the kind of pragmatic approach I like. And so you, when come back to this billion dollar influence number, what 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 does yeah. that mean? Well, uh, it, I, it's a little bit of fuzzy math if you ask me, because how do you track the impact on a sales pipeline? Mm -hmm. um, and how do you ascribe value to that? So I, I personally think they did a, a little bit of back, uh, back of the napkin math. So look at page views, 
uh, email opens, um, you know, dwell time on the site, mm -hmm. you know, video consumption, things like that, traditional content consumption type metrics. And then through better analytics, they're able to link that session or even the authenticated session or that email open back to the opportunity and mm -hmm. then to track the success of the opportunity at large. So did, did it go from a marketing qualified lead to a sales qualified lead to a contract to a, to a live customer and then able to, to really map the, the value. So there might've been some value there before they mm -hmm. just couldn't understand it or, mm -hmm. um, or know what the influence was. Now they have a better view through analytics of, of saying folks who looked at this did this and we can correlate them like that. So that's the first order um, process. I think down the road, they're going to double click on the analytics uh, capabilities so that specific assets can be attributed to specific activities. And as they enable more digital onboarding type of capabilities, that will be even richer. So, mm -hmm. hey, you just signed the contract. Um, take this, your implementation or whatever, your order won't be there, whatever it is, mm -hmm. here's a video. And mm -hmm. then making sure people stay engaged throughout the entire uh, conversation from like first touch all the way through first delivery. And I have to, as always, the, you know, the kind of customer lifecycle guy come back to uh, relationship maintenance. So way beyond, uh, let's say, active use, everyone's yeah. coming back to this idea of advocacy. So... Um, uh, for me, it's 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 a legacy ailment of marketing that we we often kind of treat existing customers as almost noise noise on the line when it's all about the new qualified leads, the new the new business. But these systems, with their ability to consolidate and measure a lot of activity over time, including the post sale stuff, and saying you know what is getting existing customers to to upgrade, cross-grade, you know, widen the footprint within the within each customer and so on over the life of, of the customer relationship. Hundred percent. I, I think that that makes um, a much healthier uh, organizational culture. <laughs> You're mm -hmm. not just focusing on top of the funnel and heavy churn and all this other stuff. We're going to focus on value that we're giving to our customer. We get to know them really well. So I think yes, you're absolutely right. That marketing paradigm shift is well underway. Unfortunately, we still see lots of laggard metrics, vanity metrics that don't represent that lifecycle value. Um, so that's what that marketing team was doing because they were still very much in support of sales. We're seeing other evidence in other areas where they're they're maturing beyond that, right? So they've got that piece in place. Now then they focus on operational metrics. How much did it cost us to produce that content? How many times did we use it? What was the overall impact to the business? And then how can we do a cost benefit analysis? What types of content, what channels to invest in down the road? You can kind of mature that um, through an operational lens after the fact. Yeah, I've got, I've, I just presented with a customer who, um, they made the transition. They haven't made the transition all the way. So they're, they're for example, they're now able to state that 70% or 77% of their content is being leveraged more than once. So they're getting reuse across, across purposes, across deliverables. They know that this asset has been used in multiple, multiple things that are going out, both direct reuse and derivatives and they're tracking that as a KPI, but they haven't gotten all the way to tracking it back to, let's say commercial activity, like the, they know that they're operationally more efficient, 
um, and they're reducing costs, localizations, and so on, but they don't know the end customer financial impact. And there's other companies who know more about the end financial aspect, but you ask how much did this actually cost to produce and how much leverage did you get out of it? And then they have no idea. So everybody's sort of putting pictures together through of, of from what the data they do have and the things that they are yeah. focused on to get the whole picture. Yeah. My, my humble thought is that you're going to start at a, at a really, a really wide aperture and you're going to narrow it in. And I don't know how fast the industry will be able to narrow in because that, that attribution model is really fuzzy in a lot of mm -hmm. industries. Um, but let's just say you tag your content, not only by what it is and, and how it relates to a campaign, but you tag it by segment, you know, by journey, journey step, a lot of those other things that are coming from the customer model, you bring that in, you overlay it onto the content, and then you can track the success of both independently and watches as the correlations start to emerge. Um, it'll be a little bit of some fuzzy logic there in the early days, but I think next couple of years, that'll be the pattern. And then we'll be able to get into better analytics as things emerge um, at the, the content asset level. Fantastic. I, I love that. That that's definitely speaking my language. I've been I've been trying to advocate for the idea of 4D content, four-dimensional content, where you have, you know, the asset, which has its column width and length, uh, but it's incomplete without a picture of uh, time, place, and depth. So who did it go to? When when is it needed? Who why was it requested? How often was it shown? Do how much of it do they need? Do they, do they need just a snack, uh, you know, a meal, uh, bite, uh, etc. And and all these. So you're just saying this. You think that the agile CMS needs to bring these time and space concepts in, so we know more about the content throughout its life cycle. Right. And I think that's, that's the, the piece that will probably phase in over time because the mm -hmm. analytics maturity required to execute against that really fine grained mm -hmm. uh, timeline is pretty high, at least based on the customers I speak with who might look retroactively at a campaign's mm -hmm. metrics a month later, right? There's, there's nothing in place that allows them to, to get, gather insights and then act on it very quickly. Um, so as they get faster in terms of that iteration and there, ergo agile, right. Mm -hmm. Um, we're going to be able to embrace, I think that finer grained or forward fourth dimension of content, which is time. And I think that will be essential to, you know, when do we send content? And, uh, you know, as you, as you say, the when versus the what, uh, as you said, snackable bite meal, I love those analogies, but if I just have a bullet versus a paragraph versus a page versus a novel, mm -hmm. um, you could start to see like, well, they only have a minute to read a text mm -hmm. uh, or, or two minutes to, to read an email. Like that would be very appropriate to understanding their receptiveness to the content. So I, I absolutely think it's coming. It's just going to take some maturity that's outside of the content world. Mm -hmm. In addition to the, the analytics and, and the data model, that's going to back up that customer relevancy. Yeah. That's, well, that's okay. So I think that's kind of giving us a good, good note to go out on there um that's because i think that's what what we're trying for with omnichannel x is to bring together the streams we've got the systems people governance people design people user experience people and content people trying to get them in a room together and go okay the future of this is not uh functional optimization it's not 
departmental optimization and channel optimization. It's holistic systems, like the, no, I don't mean software systems, the overall system that we're working to, you know, optimizing for that. That's what we're all about here at Omnichannel X. Um, thank you so much, uh, Mark, for your time. I had a, a great chat. Um, I'm gonna be taking us out here on, um, and I wanna remind everybody that we've got the, the website on omnichannelx.digital. I don't know if you've got to this podcast from that site, you already know, but if you got to it through Spotify or iTunes or something like that, come check us out. You can check out our newsletter as well. And the, uh, the conference that's coming up, the next one coming up uh, June 8th, 2020, and every year after that until the end of time. So <laughs> thanks everybody and thanks Mark, have a good one. This content was brought to you by Omnichannel X, the conference for those with a passion for content, communication, and UX, who wanna build better brand relationships by delivering excellent experiences and relevant content anytime, anywhere. Check out our website on omnichannelx.digital to find out more about our annual conference, newsletter, blog posts, interviews, and more. And don't forget to subscribe.